got a Bible hand clap. Psalms 47 and 1. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Come on, somebody praise him. Somebody praise him. Somebody praise him. Somebody give him glory. Somebody give him honor. Come on, it's Tuesday night. It's revival night. It's the night for you to get a breakthrough. It's your night to get a blessing. It's your night to get a miracle. Come on, the Holy Ghost is in this house even now. Hey. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to apologize to the media team. And uh, I tricked you. We're going somewhere different tonight. And uh, so please forgive me. Uh, Ezra chapter 3. I hope y'all can just go with me on the fly. And uh, if you can't, um, see Brother Bradford with all your complaints. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to say it again. Isn't it good that you can come to church and have fun? And I'm going to tell you, this is the best life. Well, I got five people that believe what I just said. This is the best life. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you what, when I start thinking about, you know, hearing all these people talk about what they did in the world, ain't none of that can compare to how much fun you can have in the church. You can get drunk and not wake up with a hangover and a headache. You can, you can get high and don't have to worry about getting pulled over. You get blessed. and that, that, That's the thing about coming to church is you, you, you don't have to worry about draining your banking account on drugs and alcohol and immorality. You just come to the house of God and you give in the offering and you pay your tithes and God gives it back. Press down, shaking together, running over. And then he gives you joy and he gives you peace and he gives you a reason to shout. Gives you a reason to run the aisles. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm glad to be serving God tonight. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. The book of Ezra, Ezra chapter 3, and uh, we're going to begin reading in verse 10. Ezra chapter 3 and verse 10. The Bible says, And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with symbols to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang together by course and praising and giving thanks unto the Lord. And they tell us why they gave him praise. It says, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever towards Israel. And all the people... I don't have to read nothing else. I can preach right there. The Bible says, and all the people shouted... Woo. with a great shout when they praise the Lord. See, that's Bible right there. If you don't think it takes all that noise. It said when they praised him, they shouted with a great shout. Because of the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. And it says, but many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of the house was laid before their eyes wept with a loud voice. And many shouted aloud for joy. Verse 13, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout. There it is again. And then the writer says this, and the noise was heard afar off. The noise was heard afar off. 
uh, there's a common term that we use in the English language. Y'all, I'm sure y'all use it in California. I know they use it in Mississippi. And, and it's so close, but yet so far away. Y'all, ever, y'all use that term out here? You ever heard that? Well, that was so close, but yet so far away. I want to flip that around tonight, and I want to preach with your help and the help of the Lord so far, but yet so close. So far, but yet so close. Would you help me now by lifting your hands to the Lord and asking God to move in this house? We love you, Jesus. We praise you, God. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you thanks. There's nobody like you. There's nobody beside you. There's nobody that can compare. No one can do the things that you do. But God, you are here in this house tonight, and I believe that you are here to heal. You are here to deliver. You're here to fill somebody with a gift of the Holy Ghost, evidence of speaking in other tongues. I pray, God, right now, do what you do when you come into this house. In Jesus' name, we pray. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord? One more time and give God praise. Oh, come on, I think we can do a little bit better than that even though it is Tuesday night. Come on, somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Clap your hands and give him glory. Woo, hallelujah. Come on, somebody that feels like having church tonight ought to just give one of them old-fashioned shouts right now. Woo, come on, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I'm going to help the preacher preach. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord if you didn't lie. Hallelujah. The precept of our scripture begins as Zerubbabel and Joshua, under the unction of God, take it upon themselves to rebuild the temple. Now, we have to understand that the reason that the temple the temple has to be rebuilt is because sin, rebellion, false prophets, false teachings have were the cause of this great building to crumble. Say, well, you know, you don't know your Bible history, preacher. It was, it was different people that came in and they tore down the temple. Yeah, it's all because God allowed it to because his people went after false gods. And, and it, I don't believe that it happened all at once, but it was piece by piece, sin by sin. It began to pile up until, uh, I, I think the issue really was that men were trying to build their own dynasty rather than the kingdom of God because I tell you of a truth tonight that you can be a part of the church and not be a part of the kingdom. You can go to church and not be a part of what God's doing. You can even be around the anointing and one day here depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. I don't want to be a part of that crowd, but I want to be a part of the people that are in it to win it, that are all the way, that are giving it everything they got. Hallelujah. And, and, and so the Bible tells us these, these men, they, they decide we're going to get, uh, it's going to be about the kingdom's business. It ain't about our dynasty. It's about his dynasty. It's about his kingdom. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so Zerubbabel began to build and they, they lay the foundation of the house of God. Finally, after 70 years, somebody finally got their head back on straight. After 70 years, somebody finally decided to get out of the rut of what they think the church should be or shouldn't be. 
and they started having a revival that would absolutely change the world. After 70 years, the promises of God finally start showing up and happening all over again. Say, preacher, it takes 70 years to build a building. Let me tell you something. God's ways aren't your ways, and God's timing is in your timing. And the moment you think you get God pinned down to a time and a place, uh, that's the moment that you're going to be sadly mistaken uh, and you're going to be sadly disappointed because God never works uh, with what you have in mind. I've come to tell somebody, though, uh, you've been holding on for a long time and you may feel like some of these people, it's took 70 years to build this preacher. Yeah, but God's building it. We will get so bent out of shape about how long it's taken and forget the fact, Bishop, that God's doing it. I don't want to get all upset about what God's not doing. I want to focus on what God is doing. The answer to my promises are showing up in every service. The blessings of the Lord are being added every day that I get up. I've come to tell somebody tonight, I know the devil tried to tear you down and tried to stomp you out, but God's got a way of rebellion building some stuff uh, that sin had tore down. I know it took a while. Uh, I know you had to go through some things, uh, but God's got a way uh, of building back up uh, what the devil tore down. Oh, can I preach to somebody right now that came to church on Tuesday night uh, and the devil's torn you down to nothing? Uh, sin crept in uh, and it caused you to lose everything you had. Uh, can I tell you that in one moment, uh, in the presence of the Almighty God, uh, all of that can be turned around uh, and what the devil meant for evil, uh, God can work it out uh, for your good. Uh, somebody needs to look the devil in the eye and say, I might be down, uh, but I'm not out because God can pick me up. He can turn me around. He can dust me off and give me a promise that will come to pass. Hallelujah. Don't you buy into the lie of the devil that says, well, God's taking his time. That means God's not going to do it. The devil is a liar. God knows the appointed time. God knows when that promise needs to happen. And it might take 70 years. So what? God still did it. I, I remember so many times sitting around in, in, in this family that I grew up in. I'm so thankful to have an apostolic heritage. And, and maybe one day I'll get to tell the whole story. But my, my grandmother was in a denominal church. And one day... While she was in the nominal church, she was praying, and the Holy Ghost fell on her, Brother Bradford, and while the Holy Ghost fell on her, the, uh, the pastor came to her and said, we don't believe, they called it babbling back then. He said, we don't believe in all that babbling. You don't need to pray like that. And so she went home and began to pray and said, God, I know there's more, but what is it? And about that time, the Holy Ghost spoke to her and said, that was my spirit, don't be afraid, and I will fill you with the Holy Ghost. And so she released it and let it go. And the Holy Ghost came into that room right there where she was praying. And she began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. And as she did, she got up and was confused because now she's been taught we don't babble in this church. And so she said, God, now what? And God gave her, he told her, he said, you go to the Pentecostal church. And so she went and they told her how to be baptized the right way, which is in the name of Jesus. The only saving name. For neither is there salvation in any other. 
If they baptized you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, just let me tell you something. They did it in the traditions of men. If you want to do it the Bible way, you got to go down in Jesus' name. They told her, they, they, they said, we're going to baptize you in Jesus' name. So they baptized her. And she got up and she went home to my grandpa. My, my, he told her, my, my grandmother's name's Elizabeth. Everybody called her Lib. She said, Lib, I ain't never going down there to that crazy church. I ain't doing it. I, y'all do some crazy stuff down there. Boy, he was right. But little did he know that when... God filled my grandmother with the Holy Ghost. He, he had just filled a prayer warrior with the Holy Ghost. And so she began to pray and she began to fast. And she, she you, you, Bishop, you remember back in the day when, when your spouse wasn't in church, they'd say, scoot over and save him a seat. She started scooting over. And, and she took it a little farther. She started ironing his clothes every Sunday morning. And a year goes by and nothing happens. And five years go by and nothing happens. And 10 years go by and nothing happens. And if I'm not mistaken, it's some ramp between 15 and 20 years. Her pastor was preaching and teaching on the power that's in the name of Jesus. And I'm just going to tell y'all, I come from a long line of country boys. And there's just this thing about country boys, they got dogs. They might not have a nice truck. They might not have a nice uh, nice house, but they're going to have a good dog. My grandpa raised, I mean, top of the line, bird dogs. And he was out there messing with his bird dogs one day. And yellow jackets came out of the ground and started stinging his bird dog. And so there's this thing about having faith that just does crazy stuff. My grandma walked outside and she said, well, my pastor's been teaching about it. And either it works or it don't. She said, in Jesus' name, I command them yellow jackets to go back in the ground. Would you believe? Yellow jackets started going... God reversed nature to show my grandpa that there's something to this apostolic church business. It was the next Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, that was on like a Friday. It was the next Sunday. It just so happened my grandmother had to be running a little bit late for church. And she walked into the church where she'd been saving my grandpa's seat for somewhere between 15 and 20 years. And she she done got possessive over that seat. Somebody would come in and sit down and she'd say, you can't sit there. That's Henry's place. And she went and looked and somebody was sitting there. My grandpa had never been in that church a day in his life. She went to tap on his shoulder and tell him he couldn't sit there when all of a sudden it dawned on her. That's my husband. That's Henry. What are you trying to tell me, preacher? I'm trying to tell you I don't care how long you've had a promise from God. God is not a man that he should lie. If God told you something, baby, tie a knot in your rope and hang on because it will come to pass. God is a God that keeps his promises. So like then, the proper response to God making a way out of no way. Like we do in this church, the Bible tells us in Ezra chapter three that they began to make noise because the promise had finally started unfolding. They started shouting because the promise had finally been put into action. They began to weep and they began to shout and they started beating cymbals and blowing trumpets and it was a loud day at the house of God. And the Bible says that this noise that was coming from the house of the Lord 
was heard afar off. Doesn't tell us how many decibels. Doesn't tell us 23 miles, 15 miles. It just tells us it was heard afar off. There was a high praise going on. Without a doubt, I, I just wondered, this is the way I think, is what was going on just a couple miles down the road in town the next day. What was going on when people were in the supermarket and they were, they were buying their groceries? Did you hear what was coming from the sound? Did you hear the sound coming from the house of God yesterday? I wonder if there was somebody going into a temple where they worshiped false gods and they scratched their head and said, we ain't never felt like doing that for Baal. I wonder if there was something that began to, to go through town, around town, that said, did you feel the shaking of the ground when God's people began to shout? And these people, maybe, maybe they've got something nobody else has got. I'm going to preach that in a minute. Maybe they've got something that, that's, that's joy unspeakable. Maybe, they, maybe there really is something to that living for God stuff. But, and, and the Bible tells us that it's, it's heard afar off. But what we don't see until we begin to study is that the term afar off is not just used to describe a, geological, a geographical location, but it was a term to describe someone that was not a Jew. And so as this sound is being projected, and those that are not Jews begin to hear the sound of praise coming from the foundation of the temple. That's where we see the prophet Haggai shows up and he builds a bridge with the supplies to me and you. He said, for thus saith the Lord of hosts in Haggai chapter 2 and verse 6, yet once it is a little while and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. Here it is right here. And I will shake all nations and I, I wonder because he's a Jew Haggai understands that we're the people of God and there is no other race or nation that is the people of God I just wonder if after Haggai said that if he scratched his head and said God you sure you know what you're talking about all nations we're your people all nations we're the only people of God. Why are you going to shake all nations? I, again, I believe he spoke this without even understanding what he was going to say. He said, I will shake all nations and I will fill this house with glory. And the glory of the latter house shall be greater than that of the former house. He said, you're going to see something you never thought you were going to imagine. I'm going to give you a revival of all nations. And it's going to be birthed in a moment when God's people begin to praise not because the miracle was completed, but just because the miracle was started. Oh, help me, Jesus. I'm fixing to preach to somebody right now that says, well, I'll wait till everything happens uh, until I run the aisles and I'll shout. I'll wait till my whole family prays through uh, before I get out in the aisle and give God praise. Uh, honey, uh, I'm telling you tonight that something was started there uh, and it was all over the starting of a building, uh, not the completion of the building. Uh, you got to learn how to praise him over the partial sometimes. You don't have to wait till everything gets right. You don't have to wait till everything gets perfect. Don't wait till your whole family gets there. If one shows up, shout about it. If one prays through in revival, dance about it. We don't have to wait till we have 250 to pray through. We already baptized somebody. We already seen somebody get the Holy Ghost. And if we'll praise him over that, it'll open the door to more than we could ever imagine. 
We find this prophecy. I'm trying to hurry tonight. I know you got to go to work tomorrow. I got to get up early. You're hungry. I'm hungry. We're going to have Holy Ghost Church. We got time tonight. I'm trying to hurry, but let me just tell you, we see this prophecy begin to shape and, and, and take form in Mark. As we look in Mark, we see the story of a man that is a demoniac, and the Bible says he lives in Gadara. Gadara is a place that is inhabited by Gentiles. How do we know that? Because it's a place where they heard swine. And swine and Jews don't have anything to do with each other. If you don't believe me, go study the Old Testament. I don't have time to preach it all tonight. He, this man comes out of the tombs. He's cutting himself. And, and he begins to fall at the feet of Jesus. A legion of demons. Now, let me just tell somebody something right now that's waiting until everything gets right. 2,000 demons couldn't stop this guy from worshiping Jesus. And you mean to tell me that a little bit of anxiety stopping you? You mean to tell me your depression is so bad that you can't praise and worship Jesus? I'm not trying to be insensitive tonight. I'm just trying to show you how you don't have an excuse when you come to church to lift up your hands and to give God praise. Because if a man with 2,000 demons living on the inside of him can make it to where Jesus is and fall at his feet, then I have no excuse just because I had a bad day, just because something went wrong, just because everything's not working out the way I think it's should. I have a right to give him praise. I have a right to give him glory. I have a right to bless his holy name. I dare somebody right now that the devil's been lying to you and telling you you don't have a right. I wish you would open up your mouth. I wish you would clap your hands. I wish you would shout on the card just to let the devil know you're not gonna stop me. I'm gonna praise him just because I've seen the miracle started. It ain't all happened yet. I haven't seen the completion, but I've seen it start. And so I'm gonna give him praise. This story stands out to me so much because Mark gives us a little insight. Mark's not really a good writer. He's not like John. It flows in John. If, if you don't know what to preach, you can get up and open up your Bible and just open it somewhere in John and preach. You can't do that from Mark. Mark's kind of like a 10th grader that really hasn't had a lot of time to write essays and so he's just rushing to get his homework done. It's kind of how Mark, Mark's real choppy, but there's something hidden here in this story in Mark that is very intriguing to me. We see in Mark chapter one, Jesus heals a man that is a Jew, and he tells him, tell no man the things that I have done. In Mark chapter five, Jairus is told not to speak of his daughter's raising from the dead. In chapter seven, Jesus heals two blind men, and he tells them that are Jews, and he says, don't tell anybody what I've done. But with the Gentiles, He tells him, he tells the, the man from Gadara, he says, go home and tell everybody. Why? Why does he tell the Jew to be quiet and the Gentile to lift his voice? 
I believe it's simply because he was God manifest in the flesh and he knew what was going to happen after he died and he rose again and his spirit would came would come in his same name and when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all in one place in one accord and there came from heaven suddenly a sound like as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting it appeared unto them clothed in tongues like as a fire and it set upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. The Bible tells us that day that there were Parthians and Medes and Elamites, dwellers of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Perfilia and in Egypt and in parts of Libya and about Cyrene. And he goes on and he tells us all these places that people are coming from. Now understand this is the Feast of the Harvest. This is the law if you're a Jew. You gotta be here. And the Holy Ghost is being poured out on the Jews. It's getting dumped out on them. God's people are receiving the promise. But Peter stands up. When they look at him and say, these men are drunk. He says, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. You can't, you, you can't possibly drink that much at nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. He goes on to preach a little while. And he says, you must repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But it doesn't stop there because this is a New Testament picture of Ezra chapter 3 where the foundation was being laid. That's what's happening in Acts chapter 2. The foundation, this is not the completion. This is the foundation. And so as, as the prophet would prophesy of all nations and as Ezra would record, it's a sound that's heard afar off. There are people that are not people that are the Jews. They are not the people of God, but they heard it and they felt it. And that's when Peter stood up and said, for the promise is unto you, the Jew, and unto your children, the Jew. But when he said, honey, unto those that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, he was opening the door to the Gentile dispensation. And Peter was saying, you might not be a Jew. Your daddy might not be a Jew. You might... God, I feel the Holy Ghost. You might come from the wrong side of the tracks. Your daddy an addict. Your mama an alcoholic. But the promise is unto you. It don't matter where you come from, where you've been, how you've done it. If the promise, the promise, the it's for you. Even though you were afar off. And the noise was heard afar off. But little did they know, it was so far, but yet it was so close. They felt so far, from, I'm preaching to somebody right now. They felt far from God, but there was something happening in an upper room that was bringing them close to God. They felt like God was a million miles away. Let me preach. They felt like God didn't hear them when they prayed. They felt like God was, was just on the backside of heaven saying, I don't want anything to do with you. You've done too much. You've failed too many times. But the word of God came and said, even though you're far off, you're a lot closer than you think. Peter, 
He don't really get it. He, he don't get the revelation. He's the same way as Haggai. Haggai prophesies it, and he don't get it. Peter preaches it, and he don't even get it. Say, how do you know he don't get it? Because a couple days later, he's sitting on the rooftop. And he sees all kind of unclean beasts coming down. Rise, Peter. Kill and eat. Lord, don't you know who I am? I haven't touched that. Peter, call not what I have cleansed common and unclean. Let me just deal with this right here. We always talk about, oh, you know, we're not under the law, so we can eat pork and all of that stuff. That's in Galatians and Hebrews. But that, the, the whole eating stuff, that ain't got nothing to do with what's on the rooftop. It ain't, that, that's all type and shadow of a people that were not a people. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. That's types and shadows of people that are wandering their way through life, trying to figure it out. And, and they're making mistake after mistake after mistake, and they feel so far from God. But in one moment, can I tell you that everything that has pushed you away from God can change at one moment in an altar. It doesn't take a whole lot. You don't have to get it all figured out. All you gotta do is repent. All you gotta do is surrender. All you gotta do is lay it down. And in that moment, things begin to change. Can I finish? Can I preach a few more minutes? I know y'all got to go. I do too. Peter, you got to get the revelation of this. But in order to get the full revelation, you got to wait till Paul gets done writing. And in order for Paul to talk about what he's got to talk about, you got to go back to Ezra chapter 3 and see what was started. It was the foundation of the house of God. We understand that the house of God was compiled of three distinct parts. The outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies. Anybody can get into the outer court. It don't matter what you've done. It don't matter who you are. It don't matter what walk of life you come from. You, you can come to the outer court, but there's a sign. And it's in all the common languages of the day. It says if you come past this into the inner court, you're going to die. Now, that's the McNary County version, but you can go read the Hebrew and the Greek later. You, upon the pain of death, don't you come past this. And, and Mark, Mark, I love, I love him. Like I said, he's a good little 10th grader. I love Mark. But Mark, he gets all excited when he starts talking about the veil was ripped in twain. They were singing about that blood early, and boy, it just got me so fired up, I wanted to throw something. Mark gets excited because he's a Jew. He's, a, he's of the people of God. And he says, when that blood was shed on Calvary, I can hear him. I wish I had an organ player up here right now. He said, when that blood was shed on Calvary, the veil was ripped in twain. And Mark has himself a Holy Ghost fit because Mark, you can get past the wall into the Holy of Holies now. The, the only thing keeping you out was the veil. But now the veil's gone. So Brother Mark, shout about it. Dance about it. Run the aisles about it. But guess what? I still can't get past the wall. Because the sign's still there. And the law's still there. And if I, I, I know you can go in, but I can't. 
And that's when Brother Paul would pick up the pen and begin to write in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye, some, ye sometimes were far off. He said, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And it's in that moment, Bishop, that Brother Paul gave me a reason to shout. Mark shouts because he can get in. But when Paul begins to write and say the wall was torn down, the middle wall of partition was torn down, that's when I got a right to shout. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition. He was saying, and you got a right to get into the presence of God. It don't matter who you are or where you're from. You got a right because of the blood. I understand. Look, I, I get it. I like these new songs. I love them. But I, I get excited when I hear somebody pick up a book and say, would you be free from your burden of sin? Y'all ain't gonna help me. There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. See, but you, you, you can't understand that if you ain't ever been on the outside of the wall. You can't understand that if you ain't been looking through the, wall, through the windows saying, I wish I could be a part of the church. I wish I could have joy. I wish I could have peace. Let me tell you something, honey, you can't. You can because the middle wall of partition has been broken now because of the blood. You've got access. You were far, but you've been made nigh by the blood of the Lamb. And it all started with people that didn't even understand. I wish we could, in the apostolic church, get to the place to where they got to in the Old Testament when they prophesied. You want to talk about seeing through a glass window darkly. All they seen was types and shadows. But they were willing to prophesy the things that they didn't quite, they couldn't quite grab a hold of. I know this is, there's something to this, but I don't get it all. Can I tell you, you don't have to get it all. You just have to get it. You don't have to get it all. You just got to get the starting point. Get the foundation. It's the picture. Ezra 3, the foundation's laid. Acts 2, the foundation is laid. And it's in 2022 that the prophecy of Haggai, chapter 2 and verse 9, is still coming to pass that the glory of the latter house shall be greater than that of the former because you might be a far off people, but I'm making you nigh. And it doesn't matter how far off your miracle looks. It's a lot closer than you think. It doesn't matter how far off your family looks. It's a lot closer than you think. It doesn't matter how far salvation looks. It's a lot closer than you think. Musicians, come. Give these people some hope. This and this and no means mean I'm done. No way. I'm not done. But it just looks better if they're up here. You don't know how long I've been praying. And God hadn't answered. Can, can I be a smart aleck for like 0.2 seconds? I don't care how long you've been praying and God hadn't answered. Well, you, you, you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you did. 
You don't know who my mama is. So? You don't know who my daddy is. And? Preacher, I sinned before I came to church. Yeah. So did somebody else. You're not the only one in that book. Everybody makes mistakes. You're far off people. But he'll make you nigh. He'll bring you in. That's why we talk about this family business all the time. Because that's really what we are. We're a family that was discombobulated and chaotic. And, and, and there was no way we could make it. But the blood of Jesus looked past our chaos. And looked past our confusion. And looked past our mistakes. And said, you might be far, but I'm bringing you in close. Let me... Let me just preach to somebody right now that's sitting on the fringe of revival. You're a lot closer than you think. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come to church. Oh, I'm fixing to hit somebody so hard between the eyes, you're going to see stars for three days. Three days. I, I would get involved, but I don't think I want to be that involved. Really now. But you came back. And guess what? Next week, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, but if I was a betting man, somewhere about Tuesday night, I just got a feeling that an angel of the Lord's gonna show up at your house and he's gonna start tugging on you. Say, why don't you go back to that church where they had that wild redneck preacher? You might get a miracle. Oh, no, 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 I, I, I don't wanna get that involved. You can't come in contact with this and not get involved with it. If you don't believe me, look around at the people with their hands in the air, clapping their hands. What you don't know, baby, is say what's in where you are at one time. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get too close. But they got close enough that God said, I'll cover you in my blood. And I'll bring, I'll bring you in and I'll make you a part of what I'm doing. You're a miracle in the making. I, I know you feel far from God, but you're a miracle in the making. I know you feel like you can't do anything right, but you're one step away. You're one step away. You're one prayer away from your miracle, from your blessing, from your breakthrough. You know how I know? We're going to have revival because the foundation. Since 1943, been building up to this point, foundation was laid. Well, God didn't exactly do it the way I, uh, forget about that. Forget about it. I know it looks far off but God can do it more in one second than you can do in a lifetime. Well, you know, I, I would love to believe that. Well, let me just take you to the book. Let there be light. And there was light. And if he can speak light into existence, he can speak light into your existence. If he can, if he can change, if he can create the world in one moment, he can change your world in one moment. You just gotta 
of the Lord. Come on, I wish somebody right now that's got a miracle that's far off would get out in the aisle and lift your hands and lift your voice and watch God take the far things and bring them close. Okay, this is how we gonna do it since y'all waiting on them. Bible says that they set the chief singers out front. They had trumpets and they had cymbals. And they sang, great is the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. With a loud shout. Y'all didn't know what y'all was getting into tonight when y'all came up here. I just want them to make some noise. And I don't care if it's discombobulated, it's okay. We're all discombobulated. Y'all know what discombobulated means? Okay, good. I have to watch it. Sometimes I use them Mississippi terms and I forget about where I'm at. Great is the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And then that's what happened. Great is the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. people started shouting and then those that were afar off heard the sound of a shout great is the Lord for his mercy endureth forever I wish there'd be somebody crazy like me that would kick off their shoes loosen up their tie and give God a great shout on a Tuesday night Somebody here know you might be afar off, but you can be made high. Yeah, God's looking for somebody that'll act like a little crazy. God's looking for somebody that'll let somebody know I've been redeemed. by show of hands. I'm, I'm done, kinda. Anybody here, ex-alcoholic, raise your hand. Uh-huh. Boy, it's funny that they're, they're kinda loud up here. Any ex-drug addicts? Uh-huh. See, see, all you see is the suit and tie, but what you don't know is they were far off too. I wish an ex-drug addict or an ex-alcoholic would make the kind of noise that somebody that's a far, let there be somebody walking down the road right now that hears the rumble, that hears the sound that says, I don't know what's going on there, but something's happening, something's happening, something's happening at that Give somebody in this house a reason. I once was lost, but now I'm back. You keep waiting on me, but God's waiting on you. You, you keep waiting on the musicians, but God's waiting on you. You keep waiting on somebody to come get you by the hand. The cause waiting on it. 
some noise. Something will happen.